0: Swim check one two, bike check one two, run check one two. I think we're ready. Let's try this. Welcome to the Try Beginner's Luck podcast, a podcast where we explore the sport of triathlon from a variety of perspectives to help beginner triathletes on their journey. I am your host, Mashonda Shines. Welcome back to another edition of Try Beginner's Luck. Yeah. I am still excited and grateful to be here, and I'm still excited that it's still Black History Month, that I, and I get an opportunity to bring to you guests during this month that are doing amazing things in the space, not only for themselves, but also for others. And today, yeah, I have a guest who's helping to eliminate one of the barriers to entry in sport and that's swimming. He decided, Hey, I want to teach black and Brown folks how to swim because I want to create a safe space for anyone to enter the water and to conquer things off their bucket list. Yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now this guest is a USAT level one coach, a Navy veteran, but most importantly, or not most importantly, but a reason why he was invited to this show is because he is also a triathlete. Ladies and gentlemen, I get to bring to you all the way from Los Angeles, California, by way of Phoenix, Arizona, Mr. Jordan Hunter. Jordan, welcome to Try Beginner's Luck. How you doing?
1: Doing well, doing well. First and foremost, thank you for having me and you know, happy Black History Month. Happy Black History Month. You out here on the,
0: you're out there on the West Coast. I'm out here on the East Coast, but we're covering all the space in between. So shout out to that.
1: Definitely. definitely.
0: So you've had a journey and it's been an interesting journey. I mean, by way of Arizona, you unanticipatedly enlisted into the Navy. You're a veteran.
1: Pretty much the Black is gone.
0: You said the Black Forest Gump. Pretty much the Black Forest Gump. So you just keep going and going and going.
1: Just find just find a piece to move and, and move in purpose, and uh, you know leave something behind on your way to the next one.
0: I love it. I love it. Actually, let's talk right about let's talk about this legacy that you wanted to leave behind because as soon as you um, were honorably discharged from the Navy. You probably had a couple of months to think, and then you were like, wait a minute, I want to do something greater. And you decided to start Legacy Aquatics. Tell me, what was it about Legacy Aquatics that you wanted to start and why?
1: Yeah, so uh, when I was in the United States Navy, I did open water search and rescue. Uh, So I flew in helicopters, um, and we did missions such as humanitarian aid. I was not a part of the examples that i'm giving but like the the helicopter scenes that many people would see him um hurricane harvey relief hurricane katrina relief the puerto rico earthquakes um and things like that or the haiti um humanitarian aid so we would do missions like that um during my time like i said uh that was my job and so it was very reactive swimming very reactive um times in the water very reactive and stressful situations and so when I got out of the military, um, it, it was a step of faith. Okay. I'm gonna tell you that. Um, but it was a step of faith. Um, and it was really just, uh, an answer prayer. Um, I had asked God, you know, do I reenlist or is it time for me to step out and start what, you know, what's next for me? And, um, took, took a couple months to get that answer. Um, and then I just heard very softly, like, if you trust me, you'll get out. And so when I got out to answer your question, bringing it all the way back around, um, I moved to L.A. and quickly learned that um, <laughs> it's a little bit more expensive than I thought. And um, I got into the entertainment world and just understanding that when you first start in there, uh, multiple streams of income is, is the greatest way of survival, but also just um, balance. And so it took me a while, took a couple months, um, about like five months in. I was like, yo, I, I got to figure something else out. Um, and that's when Legacy Aquatics came around because I said, God, I don't have the degree Um, and I'm still building up my own network. I'm still building up my own opportunities. What is something that I can like lean in on and and give or, or feel confident and comfortable in? And so legacy aquatics, um, became a thing to be proactive into water safety, water recovery, um, fundamentals with water, um, and really just getting ahead of the stereotypes or helping people out before they become a part of a unfortunate statistic. Uh, in and around water. So yeah, started that up in 2000, late 2018, beginning of 2019.
0: So I love what you said about taking a step of faith. It's not easy to start something new, be in a new city, leave what was comfortable where you were making coin to go to a place. You said what now?
1: Respectfully. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And go to a, a place like L.A. that offers so many different opportunities. The cost of living is higher. And to be pretty much in no man's land. Right. And building a brand or a business in a place like Los Angeles is not easy because, again, it's a place about who do you know and how can you help me? And if you have nothing to quote unquote offer, it can make your time there a lot harder. Let's talk about how you've been able to maintain and grow legacy aquatics in this space where people may or may not want or need swimming or may not think they need it, even though they really do.
1: Whew. Yeah, I. Uh, that's a good question. So, I think the the process to get it to where it is now, or the um, the story or the timeline of it, it's really just been about just staying consistent with who wants to stay consistent. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, again to your point, there's the organic growth and there's also the the surface level like super inorganic where you got to be in people's faces all the time you got to be in people's faces all the time and hey hey i got this i got this i got this what can you do help me help me help me help me help me. or you just sit back you relax you know take a little bit less of a proactive like in somebody's face um and just pour into the people that are willing and ready for that and so um funny enough it's it's a little bit of a wild timeline but 2019 i had started the business and had no clients. I actually started the name um, and went and became a swim instructor at another school to learn everything I needed to. Um, so I put myself back into school or something that I was like, okay, I can maintain this. Um and I taught people through another program. Um, and then from that, COVID hit. And a couple of the parents from that actually, I wanna say probably six or seven months in, we're like, hey, we're safe. If you're safe and we got a pool, if you want to come over here and they had two kids. So I started with two kids. I started with two kids, June or July of 2020. Um, and I mean, like I poured into them like two or three times a week because I was at the house and they were at the house. So basically I became a part of the family. You know, that's how I felt. Stayed over for family dinner. Like, it was very organically just, I was there, I was with them, I was present. I was there, I was with them, I was present. I've watched them grow. Um, And then literally about three months in, October, November, uh, I think they opened up to, like, a pod of, like, a couple other families, and their kids were the only kids swimming without life vests. And these kids, I want to say, three years old, let me see, Teddy had to be three years old, and five, three and five. Um, and they open up to a pod of other families and these kids were the only ones without life vests on. And, you know, the other parents are like, where did he learn how to swim? Um, so fast forward, uh, like the beginning of 2021 happens and, you know, obviously we're still within safety and confinement protocol. And I now have 11 kids. Um, and then literally just from that, just, and that's no advertisements. That's no promo. That's no posting on social media It's just from, Pour into what you have in front of you, um, and that's one thing I've been learning. What to do is just stay consistent, stay present, and that's, I mean, you know, that's endurance sports. You know, as we get into that later, but that's literally endurance. Is where's your mental endurance? The physical is is going to get there with consistency, but it, it's all about your mental as well, um. And so for me, it was get to the status quo and just make impact. And so now, you know, I I've been able to stretch out legacy aquatics to. Three different levels of, uh, I guess you could say water performance, which would be like the the adults that are wanting to get into triathlons or open water swimming, um, water development, which is I can swim, but like I, I want to get better or, you know, I, I want to start swimming for laps. Or I want to start swimming for alternative workouts. And then you have the beginners where it's like, hey, I haven't touched the water in X amount of years. Um, I have two of my, my senior caps. I like to call them senior caps. 73 and 69 years old and both of them are best friends and neither one of them has swam in the past 30 to 35 years um and it's because they watched traumatic experiences in their own in their own timelines of people around the water and so for them it's really just getting them back in the water and letting them feel confident and feel comfortable um so it's a very aquatic therapy approach even though i don't uh, put the comma and you know, have the psychology background, I, I'm starting to understand and develop this into my formula, how to stay consistent is to put into who's in front of you and not necessarily worry about how many more people can I get.
0: I love that you started with two people. What I thought immediately what came up for me was two fish, mm. right? Five lows. Yeah, you know, and so I think sometimes doing, mm, being grateful for the little and just staying grateful over that little and how it can multiply for you. So the consistency part of it, the mental part of it, the, the physical endurance part of it, all of it has played a role. And so kudos to you for starting with those two and that family. Help to multiply. So now that you have three different levels of people and how you can interact with them, right? So you, you know, you have your beginners, you have your, you know, the people who want to go for a swim performance, and then you have that other in-between level. And so who's to see how it's going to grow from there and how programs can go across the United States? Who's to say how this will manifest in something bigger? But you're developing it now and I just want to say kudos to you because helping people feel safe in the water, especially after they've had traumatic incidences can be a huge barrier to just the in person instructing them, because then you take on that trauma, and then you have to figure out okay, how how am I going, what am I going to do because I'm not equipped to handle this.
1: Yeah,
0: right. And so I just implore you for being able to take on that. And I hope you're doing what you need to do to keep your well-being in place, because I think that's a lot. And you talk about um, PTSD and that's how you kind of got started into triathlon, which we are about to get to, but let's talk about how maybe that PTSD can impact how, what you're doing right now in the lessons when you're taking on other people's trauma.
1: Yeah. I mean, whew, you know, jokingly, I, I'm a very much a. I like to laugh um, and, and I find myself uh, finding the beauty in even the horror or the scary parts of it. So, you know, when when I first started talking about like taking on people's trauma and, you know, like being there when I have I can like it sounds crazy for those who have gone through swim lessons in their lives um, recently or can remember it. The first time you backfloat in somebody else's arms, your body is twitching 10,000 times. Like I can feel everything and it feels funny and it's a laughter because it's uncomfortable, but it's really your body asking it. Do I trust myself enough? Do I trust this person holding me right now? And I'm literally just sitting there sometimes in your ear, just saying like, you got this, just relax, just count. Count kind out of loud with me, and just building these things. And jokingly, I always say I'm like Michael Clark Duncan in The Green Mile, um, where I'm just taking on everybody's trauma and then I have to release it. But I've had to stop saying that, you know what I'm saying. But sometimes that's just how it feels. Uh, but it's it's an honor. It really is. A, it really is a gift. Like it's it is a gift that I'm very thankful um, to have, and also to continue to learn how to not only develop it, but also how do I harvest it and not for profit, but also for purpose, you know? And again, that's been my biggest thing is I've seen my, my company grow. Um, you know, I'm gonna pop my stuff every now and again, you know, uh, this past summer, I think I touched over 135 people um, by myself in pools um, in the open water. You can add another 45 to 50 swimmers where I, you know, so that's, that's 200 people with these hands alone, you know, and I very much, try to learn something about everyone sometimes i might forget a name but i will not i will not forget where you are when i get in the water with you um and so i think for me it's all reactive a lot of this is reactive and so for me when i was in the military um not to get too deeply into it um but i've had people die in my arms um during during exercises during missions where administrating cpr it was either too late um, or you know, getting to them after a tragic incident was, you know, it, it's just unfortunate. Um, so I've I've been on both sides where my hands were the last thing touching somebody, you know, before they they left, you know, the physical. And so, I mean, try try putting that in your mind as a young twenty year old because I joined the military at twenty, um, and my job was considered special forces. So I mean, we're working around, you know. Things going off, loud noise, you could you can paint the pictures if you'd like. Um, and so think about as a young 20-year-old, seeing somebody pass away in front of you for the first time. And some people, unfortunately, have to deal with that at, at younger ages than that. Um, but for me, this was my first instance of firsthand. Um, it, it's always been third party or somebody from my church or you know just in the distance, but it's never happened in front of me. Now it's like in front of you. And now in the back of my mind, I have, what did I do wrong? what could I have done? Why was it too late? Why did I have to do this? And so now getting into water safety, um, even though their incidences did or didn't have to do with water, that's my take on now is when I get in the water with somebody, I want that kid. I want that adult. I want that infant. We'll get to infants, but I want them to feel like, I don't remember when I learned how to swim, but I'll tell you like, I'm just so thankful, you know, because it's one less fear, one less worry that a generation will have to hopefully deal with that. That's the goal is my, my goal is it's very hard to eliminate 68% and in in one year and one annual year, 68% of African-Americans cannot swim uh, in the United States uh, as of 2021. So, you know, it's, but it's, can I, can I knock that percentage down that I'm uh, connected to? Can I knock down 20 people in a year? Can I knock down 15? Because one day, if they choose to procreate or if they have already procreated, hopefully they can pass that along to their generation. So that the next generation can knock that down. And maybe I can motivate somebody to be like, I really love my swim instructor. I want to be a swim instructor. And now it's like, boom, my impact over my X amount of years that I have this ability. Now they might be able to, to do that on their own, on their own path. Um, and so for me, that's, that's how I've been handling um, PTSD, how I've been handling like anxiety or just feeling those questions is how can I get ahead of this so that people don't have to react and they can be proactive um, in life traumas or life things, basically not just traumas.
0: Uh, wow, yeah, um, you you reference the two hands again, you referenced the two, and you, you was like, I'm gonna pump myself up. You can pump yourself up anytime. I don't think we do that enough. I don't think Mm. people do that enough. Well, some people, they they have no problem doing it, you know, but then others. So yeah, pump yourself up. You touch 200 people in one
1: year. Crazy. It's crazy.
0: Teaching them not only how to swim in a pool, but also open water swimming, which is a whole different beast.
1: Whole different beast. Whole different beast.
0: (laughs) Okay. That's a whole different beast. And to get people to feel comfortable in open water swimming. I bow. I appreciate that. Amazing. That's that's incredible. And I wish more people could have experienced this or could experience this if they wanted to, what is the typical length of time that people need to learn how to swim? And if they wanted to come to a legacy aquatics camp, Mm -hmm. do you have a camp for adults where they can be on the express way to swim?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so when that question typically get asked, uh, on like consultation calls, um, cause I love to talk, right. You know, I don't know if y'all want to know this, not. I love to talk. So I don't mm-hmm. like to have people fill out some paperwork and then like, we'll just figure out from there. So when I'm on the phone call and I hear this question, I typically try and keep it very honest, but also to, to their, it's, it's always going to be catered to them. Um, so if you're, Hey, I have my four-year-old, eight-year-old, six-year-old has never been in the water. Oops, excuse me. My four-year-old, six-year-old, eight-year-old has never been in the water. And I really want to start her with lessons or him with lessons because they're not afraid of the water. How long, and by the end of that conversation, it's how long until they're swimming. And I always say every three lessons, I will give you an update on where I think we are. Um, have I seen kids learn how to swim in two lessons? Yes. Have I seen kids take 10 to 12 lessons? Yes. Um, Does that mean put them two times in a week and it's, you know, like there's no mathematical unfortunate, um, but typically I usually say within the first couple months, you'll be able to really see a progression. Um, When it comes to adults, if it's coming from, hey, I haven't swam in years, but I think I can do it. I always tell them, just come try. Just come try. First lesson, just come try. Um, and to that answer with, again, you know, how long does it take? I usually say, give me four to six weeks and let me see how comfortable you feel. Um, it's always going to be about comfort. And usually what I do is everything is always around breathing, back floats and kicks. And it forms this triangle. So this time it's not two, it's three. Well, actually, there's, a, there's, a, there's an example of two in this. Um, but I always say, if you can do two out of the three of those things between breathing, back floating and kicking, if you can do two of the three of those successfully, then you can save yourself. If you do all three of those things, to me, you're water safe. And what I mean by that is if you fall in the water and you can hold your breath. That means you're in control of your anxiety. That means you're not going to fight or flight. And if you can kick, you can hold your breath. You come to the top. You kick yourself to the side. If you fall in the water and let's say you freeze on kicking, but you get to your back and you're breathing, you're able to call for help and we can get you there. We can formulate things from there. If you can't back float, well, we already did the back one, but if you can't breathe, then, you know, this is the one of the most fight or flight or like a little bit more of the let's, let's refine a little bit more time. But if you can back float and kick, but you're having a really hard time breathing, you still have the opportunity to get yourself to your back and then kick yourself to the side. And so when you do two of the three of those things, to me, you can save yourself in a water safe environment and pools. Um, so when it comes to like adults and clinics um, the biggest class i actually do is three um i don't personally like to take it too much because i really really enjoy to have that intimate connection with people because that's where i've seen the most uh growth um especially if i put three strangers in the pool at once um i don't know your reinforcements of of i guess positive reinforcements i don't know their um you know their takeaways i don't know if they're competitive i don't know if they're gonna shut down if they don't get something and others do and so typically i always tell people um if you would like to invite somebody to your lesson i don't have a problem with that let me get you to a point where you're safe enough and then let's invite them but if they're both starting from scratch i always ask and we start you two separately because one might progress and the other one might not husband and wives or partner and partner and now it's it can be you know like i i really want to swim like she is or i wish i could be where he is. And now it becomes this kind of unfortunate seesaw. And I want to spend more time with this person. This person might not need me as much. And so again, it's all to make connection.
0: So the the short answer is there's no quick way to swim with legacy aquatics.
1: I don't think, yeah, I don't think there's a short way to swim with anybody. I think that or like think, a quick workshop like a workshop if it's like a week
0: they take a week and they have lessons every single day. I think that's what I was kind of thinking about but the answer okay. is probably not yet.
1: Yeah, no, not yet. I haven't I haven't done any of those accelerated you know kind of swim camps uh mm-hmm. or anything like that just because I <laughs> I I take people in like they're my kids, you know? So I I don't want to rush you through and be like, "Yep, at the end of this week you'll be good" because Mm-hmm. at the end of the week if you haven't progressed and you actually got worse because now you're aware of your fear now we have to spend more time with you but at the end of the week now it's like this is the end so sorry okay. you know well let's transition let's talk
0: about how you've <laughs> how you used sport now to help with your uh how did you get into triathlon because you started legacy aquatics first and then
1: what I got bored during COVID. Like, I'm an athlete. I like to I like to do things. I like to get out like I'm I'm a I'm just a natural born athlete. So when we were stuck in the house, I was running. Like every day I was running like three to four miles. And I was like, All right, this is getting boring again. And then I remember, you know, they closed the beaches out here in California, but the caveat was you could go in the open ocean because who owns the ocean? Um it's another yeah, we technically own the oceans, but nonetheless, you know, it was like, you can't tell me no being in the water. So started going open water swimming. I was swimming a mile to two miles. And, um, you know, I just became one of those things. I found a group, uh, that was kind of just open water swimming together. And it was just a safety thing of going out with each other. And so they had put on, um, an unsanctioned, uh, tri- triathlon kind of event where it was like, you know, people that just wanted to race. um, And so I was like, Oh, I want to do that. So, um, yeah, during COVID, I I literally just went from swimming and running to borrowing a friend's bike. Um, I'm a little taller than the average. So thankfully I had a friend that was my height that wasn't riding his bike during COVID. And so I got to take his bike. I love you, Jay. I appreciate you. Um, and yeah, he let me borrow it for probably six to eight months. Um, and so during COVID I did, their try a triathlon. And then I got super excited and motivated that I wanted my friends to do one. And so I had two really good friends basically help me curate our own unsanctioned triathlon during that time as well. So we should just
0: add race director to your
1: title too. Listen, if I give all kudos, any race directors, anybody wanting to get into race directing, I send all kudos your way because I did not, I knew, but I did not know it was that hectic. And ours was unsanctioned. This is with the friends. No no way I'm doing this with a couple thousand people. No way. But yeah, you know, I'll say, uh, yeah, I'll say creative, uh, creative race director.
0: Yeah. So shout out to all of the race directors who have a really tough job and get a lot of grunt not knowing all of the intricacies that go into it. So shout out to race director. So you do this one, try a trial with this one group who you found with open water swimming, then you wanted to get your friends involved. So you said, Hey, I'm going to curate a race for my friends. Uh, that probably didn't happen again. So, but you kept trying. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about your experience as you continued to try and didn't stop at those one, you know, first two.
1: Yeah, I, 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 uh, I think, I think it's called, I caught the bug and uh, the bug is in me now. So 2020, I I did the try, try, and then I got my friends involved. Um, But to that point, a lot of my friends couldn't swim. So I was like, wait, there's such thing as a duathlon. So all my friends that wanted to just come out and do something, we did a duathlon portion where they just biked and ran. I mean, some of them even put together like a small relay team and biked and ran just because some people had bikes, some people didn't, but people wanted to Be active, and so you know there was different levels to it. We had people do the full swim. We had people do the bike run relay. So it was great. Twenty twenty one comes, and I did my first sanctioned race finally, uh, and that was Herbalife uh, Herbalife Triathlon out here in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had been training. I mean, (laughs) man, I felt like I had been training for like a year. Like, and I was like, I'm gonna be on the top of the podium. I'm gonna do this, man. I'm 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 him, you know, like super confident, like no way. I got to the week before the race. And then I finally, cause I never looked, I never looked up race results. And I finally started looking at race results. And I was like, Oh, these are pros. Like this, this ain't no regular race. Like, Oh, how you, how you move that fast. And I'm very confident in the water, very confident in the water. I'm getting cooked compared to some of these people in the water. Um, Um, So, yeah. So, no, 2021 Herbalife comes. Um, I did my first triathlon Olympic distance. So the first three uh, triathlons I ever did were all Olympic, um, which is the 32 mile discipline or the second highest. Um, So, you know, the mile swim, 25 on the bike and a 10K run. Finished that. And the bug was in me. And I did another one that year. I did Laguna um, 2021. And that was an off road uh, race where it was open water swim, but then it was a up, the, up a mountain. Like I'm not up a mountain, but a trail ride, trail down, trail ride, trail down. And then also a trail run, trail down, trail run, trail down. And then 2022, I did four, um, all in the California area again. And then last year I did five. Um, so if anybody's keeping count, I'm, I'm, I'm I think I'm right at 15 right now. 15, 15 total triathlons. Um, and yeah, I, I finally got this, this past year, 2023, I told myself, let's chill out on Olympics real quick. Let's, let's go have some fun with these. And so, um, I started doing uh, the sprint distances and that one's pretty fun. Um, I started touching the podium. Um, so I finally saw my goal through and, uh, touched the podium and, uh, you know, started just competing in the age groups and started competing in weight class as well. um, so that excuse me so that became really fun so yeah 15 total triathlon's um under my belt in 4 year, three years um and this year I have two slated as of right now so
0: so you mean to tell me olympics aren't fun i'm just trying to understand this audience wants to know olympics aren't fun and sprints are funner or like let's talk about that cuz you 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 seem to feel some type of way you
1: know it it, it, it it's it is it's fun it's fun right I think of a sprint for all my endurance athletes out there. Anybody who does anything at the iron or half iron, I salute you. Okay. Because I'm just not there yet, but the Olympic is a good challenge. I think the Olympic is a a really fun, fun distance of like right in the in-between of the endurance part and right in the in-between of like, I can get this done fast part. Um, And for me, uh, the Olympic distance, because cycling was my weakest evolution of it, it was the hardest to train here, just because of. And I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the the first generation, uh, or not first generation, uh, first world problem kind of thing. We don't have the space in California to train like other places do. Like we can't. It's very hard to just. It's very hard to ride on the side of the freeway on the five and the PCH for those who understand. It's dangerous. It is dangerous. Yes, you can do stationary, but when it comes to being on a bike for 50 miles in one station, like anybody who can do that, that's that's next level. Um, so, you know, when I think of sprint, I'm like 750 meters in the water. Okay. You know, 13, 12, 13 miles on a bike. Great. 5K run. Oh man, I'm done in less than two hours. I'm ecstatic. I'm ecstatic. I'm done. Um, so yeah, I think that both of them are fun. I think sprints give me the opportunity to uh also race one day, and then as I continue to bring people into the sport, um, along with Legacy Aquatics, um, I've had the opportunity of working with race directors on getting bibs for relay teams. Um, for my friends who not necessarily are ready for triathlons, but guess what? You can try a try by putting together a relay team. So sometimes I will swim the next day. And then they bike and run, or they have a full team and I can race the one day and then I can come back and support them the next.
0: I absolutely love that. I got into triathlon through a relay. And so I encourage all of my friends. I'm like, hey, you can do a triathlon. Just do this part of it, you know, because you can do it. Which Um, leg did you start with? Swimmer. So I'm a swimmer. Yeah. My mom. My, that was one thing, my mom, because of her traumatic experiences, she had my brothers and I in the water, I think probably before we could walk, we could walk. And so um, I've always been very, com- I don't, to your point, I don't recall a time I've never not been comfortable in the water. That is a very, I do not recall. I was like thinking about that. I don't recall a time I've always been very comfortable and We've always done things around the water. And so I, um, huge shout out to my mom. Like my mom, you know, this ain't about me, but I just got to give her a shout oh, out. Yeah.
1: come on, mom, give them
0: shout you outs. So um, when you think about all of the experience, emotional, what is happening? When you think about all of your um, experiences, I've always been in experiences that challenged me or been in non-traditional roles. And when you think about coming over to like the triathlon space, like why do I do this for? Well, I've always done things that were non-traditional to my culture and community. And so when I think about the full circle moment, I just want to give my mom a shout out to say thank you for um, you know, giving us the opportunity to try things that were different and not uh Traditional in the sense because when I look back at swim team pictures, and there's only a handful of us at the time, we didn't think like I didn't think it was anything different that there might have been only six of us Black folks on the team because yeah. when you're kids you're not thinking about black and white you're just thinking like these are my teammates I I love them this is my team, and when you get older you're just like, oh, yeah, you and you start on a- understanding
1: representation you you start yeah, understanding exactly understanding. exactly.
0: Yeah. Like- yeah, so I, you know, shout out to my mom and just shout, shout out, out to,
1: mom, to man, parents shout out to in mom.
0: general who make sure their kids can learn how to swim at an early age, which is why when I heard about you from Katie, I was like, for sure, for sure, not for sure. I said, for sure, I gotta have him on my podcast because I think it's important that we get people in the water swimming. And for someone who is black, a black male, a USAT level one coach, teaching folks how to swim. That's important enough to highlight.
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's always about the value, right. Instead of the volume. And so no matter the, no matter the, the platform that people have, and this is for anybody listening, like no matter the platform you have, no matter what you have, like if you have the opportunity, um, just continue to just, just say, thank you to somebody, someone, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, to, to yours to ripple that, like, my mom can't swim to this day. She will not let me teach her to swim. My father can barely swim. He was, he was in the Marines in, in the early 60s. That, that will date my, my, my parents, you know, whatever. But my, my dad could barely swim. My mom's entire goal for me to learn how to swim was, if something happens to me, you got to save me. And I've had that here in the back of my head my entire life. Um, and so, you know, sometimes it takes that risk. It takes that chance. Um, and being in those rooms and showing up and and answering the uncomfortable questions. And and think about it, like like you said, like we being some of the only people of color on teams and uh, rooms, our moms used to have to talk for us. You know what I'm saying to other moms? Like there's questions and things that they've probably filtered out in our lives we've never had to deal with. And now it's our opportunity in turn by our own perspective to share that and give that kind of space. So. Shout out to moms and dads, but shout out to my mama. Shout out to my mama too. Okay. All
0: right. So first race was herbal herbal Herbalife. Yeah. You borrowed a friend's bike. You said that there were not many people who were your height. So let's talk about your height and who let you borrow a bike for six to eight months in the prime time of the pandemic when everybody started biking or cycling?
1: I was gifted. So I so my man Big J so I'm six five at the time I raced in 2020 I was 65 like 220. um so my man Jay man he they were they were bringing in a newborn uh like right at the end of this time so he was like yo I'm, I'm at the house I said I get you he said all I ask is you take care of it it was a specialized tarmac road cycling bike with with the clips I'm listen I'm telling you it's crazy he had pedals. So at the time I was like, Ooh, I'm pedaling. people are cooking me still. And I'm like, I'm too competitive for this. I said, I, and I'm looking at everybody's feet and everybody's clipped in. And I'm like, no, I don't need that. Like, I'll, I'll just figure. I'll learn how to sh- uh, shift. And this is like, I, I'm I'm learning on the go. Like, nobody taught me how to actually. So at the
0: race, you're learning, or
1: uh, learning, during training. I'm sorry. During yeah. training,
0: okay. During
1: mm-hmm. training, okay. So so yeah. So during all that, like, this is the, when I had the bike in 2020. All the tria tries. Nobody ever really told me how to shift. It was just shift up, shift down, gear up, or like big plank, little plank. That's all I understood. Then I clipped in, and I said, Oh damn <laughs> it's a whole new world it's a so crap. i'm up in i'm up in the mid-20s now like my heart rate's going down because i get to work less and so now i started to understand what it was to shift so by the time i made it to Herbalife, like my first race i think i i think my first my first olympic distance was 248 quote me if, i think you can quote you can go look that one up but yeah two hours and 48 minutes and i mean again for like coming into like cycling i was like i think i was like Ride right at 22 miles an hour. And I was like, this is cool, I guess. But swimming, my mile time is always, it, swimming has always been my thing where I'm just like, oh, 24 minutes. I'm good. You know, 23 minutes. That's my mile time. So that was, that was the cool part. But yeah. Yeah. So shout out to big J. He let me borrow his bike during that time. And I learned how to ride on a specialized. So literally I got the keys to a, a, a Porsche basically to learn how to ride a bike.
0: Uh, yeah. you think because the specialized tarmac is a very nice bike, but, but, um, I think the one thing you were like 22 miles an hour, like that's okay. That is great. Most people are averaging 15 to 17 or 18 and you talk i some 22. So you're above average.
1: And I'm watching people fly past me at 28 and I'm like, you know, you know but again, I, I'm new to the sport and It's all about just the exposure and the access. But in my mind, I'm like, no way. Like, I got to get this. And that goes into the mindset of endurance sports, where endurance, I always tell people now, it's like endurance sports is not about age. It is not about weight. There is no body that says you are or are not an endurance athlete. Endurance is mental that follows the physical. To me, I have seen people. And obviously you see them online and you see the amazing stories and feats. And a lot of people probably listening like, oh, I've been doing endurance. I'm an ultra marathoner. You know, I'm 64 years old and I just, I travel to go run ultra trail runs. I would never, I would never do an ultra trail run right now in my life. There's people that ride centuries every weekend, you know, 14, 15 miles an hour. I, I have never rode hundred miles. Never. I've never rode a hundred miles straight. So, you know, like, it's just, it's all about, like, I can say I'm doing this and it sounds crazy, but then there's, there's this crazy to me too. And I'm like, man, like kudos to you, kudos to them. And that's what I inspire to continue to get to an endurance. But the more I show up, the better representation and the more exposure people that see me um, get to have.
0: Good. Good. Oh, that is good. Um, You say never a lot. And, you know, in this sport, that is not a good thing to do because never turns into all darn. I just registered because of FOMO or because my friends. So I just wanted to put that out there that it's the the real thing
1: because FOMO
0: will get you in this sport. And before you know it, you will be doing a full distance and then out there doing 100 miles every weekend because just because you like it, because you're like, wait a minute, The way my mind works on this long ride and I'm able to work out and solve problems in my mind is so different. And then you'd be like, oh, that trail run, Mashonda." Let me tell you, I just did it. So just the never, I'm going to need you to, you know, press pause on that because you just never know when you're going to do it. And I bet by the end of 2024, I'm going to get an email from Katie or somebody that says, hey, guess what Jordan just did? And I'm like, I told him. Never no. say never. Not in this sport. <laughs> when your friend community, especially in the tri space, they're very persuasive in getting you. They're very it, persuasive. Little
1: by little. Little by little. They, do... they
0: don't
1: stop. They don't stop.
0: All right. So now that you've done the sport, you've been in it for 15 or you've done 15 races. What advice would you give to a beginner who's thinking about coming into sport?
1: Yeah, I think uh, when you're coming into the sport, um, just give yourself grace. I think uh, whatever your principle is, uh, whether it's swimming, biking or running, just one thing I always remember that one of my coaches told me is you'll never be sorry. It is very hard to be perfect at all of them. So give yourself grace. Lean in on the one that you came in with. Grasp it and maintain it. And then really obtain a lot of knowledge and don't be afraid to ask questions in the one you're the most afraid of. And so again, for a lot of people that come to me, it's, I wanna become a better swimmer. And asking for help is the first way to becoming better. Um, Find a race that you really are excited for, or, you know, seems to be a great or obtainable. And I think all races are attainable if you give yourself a correct timeline. Um, and an honest, uh, assessment of where you are in your physical, but also in your mental, um, and yeah, just, and, and set a timeline with that. So, you know, if, if you're hearing this and then you're like, I got to race in 30 days and you're like, I need to go buy a bike. I would personally just make sure that you are safe. And that is something that you are ready to take on. Um, but I always just say like, just take your time, take your time into the sport, have fun with it start with dualathlon, you know, there's, there, there's aquathons, there's aquabike. There's so many different ways to be an endurance athlete. There's five K's, there's 10 K's. um, There's, there's five K beer, beer runs, you know, whatever it is that you want to try or start. I always just say, just try and, and find somebody an accountability partner, find, find a neighbor, find a friend, do it with your daughter, do it with your mother, do it with your father, do it with your grandparents, you know, do it for your birthday. You know, if you want to, If you move into an intentional kind of thing, um, you know, you're like, hey, I want all my friends to come do a 5K with me. Or this year when I turn, you know, an age, whatever age that may be, it's like, hey, like I want to get out and just be active for that amount of minutes. Um, The I was going to say getting into endurance, I would say don't always harp on it having to be an event. You can make an event. And so if it's for your birthday and you're like, I just want everybody to come out to the park and let's just let's just play for an hour. Let's let's exercise one hour a week, whatever it is, just set a time. Um, But, yeah, I would say be graceful and just walk into the sport. Don't don't sprint into the sport. Walk. But when you catch the bug. Just saying, just make sure that you're ready financially. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say. And that's a whole podcast for another day. <laughs> that part,
0: that part. What is one thing you would have wish you would have known before getting into sport outside of the finances? Because we do know that, that this is a very financial rich sport. You need some coin. But yeah. there's ways you can do it on a budget. I've done it for years on a budget. So there's ways that you can do it on a budget. But what are some things you wish you would have known?
1: Yeah, I think uh, the few things I wish I would have known is um, mm, that's good. I think after the race is understanding and feeling like a post race, not depression, but almost like once you've built up the once you've built up and build up and build up and it's race day and then you're done with the race. If that was your only race of the year, there is a backside kind of like mental. Oh, what do I have now? Um, I have faced that a few times um and some people will call it post-race partum some people call it post-race depression um and, and really what that is is again it's like your mind has been like anticipating and, and driven and and mentally like okay this is the day i'm gonna do this it's feel like this and you do the race and you're super happy and you're at your all-time high and your serotonin and endorphins are flying through the roof and then a week later you're like oh man i don't have anything And it, and it sounds very dramatic but That's how I felt sometimes. Um, So I just wish I would have known how to maintain the post-race, like post-race recovery um, outside of the physical, mental, mental check-ins. Another thing I wish I would have known and learned early on is um, how much you can rely on others, especially in this sport. Um, There's always somebody who has the experience. And whatever race you think you're doing for the first time... It's 4 o'clock. Thanks, Siri. Whatever race you were doing um, for the first time, I guarantee you, there's probably been a couple thousand people that have done it before. So just do your research. I think sometimes for me, I just, um, I signed up and just felt like nobody is going like, to understand this experience. So I'm just going to go into it and just, yeah, this is the race I'm doing. And, and, you know, really do your research, learn it, learn about topography, learn about how to read, uh, water levels in the ocean, um, and just different things like that. So I would just say those, those things, Maintaining the mental after a race um and just doing a little bit more research on um like race discovery and where you want to race and why why you wanna race. It's a big one.
0: Mm, that's good stuff. Let's talk about you being a USAT level one coach. When, why, how, all that good stuff. Yeah, where, we how,
1: ooh, ooh. Yeah. So shout out to Katie uh at the LA Tri Club out here. So LA Tri Club uh gave me the opportunity to come on and be one of the coaches that teaches uh, open water swim clinics uh, during the summertime and during triathlon season. So, and they're completely free. Um, So we would, we meet every Friday uh, for what, six, seven, six months, seven months out of the year. um, And pretty much just allow people to come like, you know, get a wetsuit. We typically have wetsuits and get them in the water. And we just open them to the experience. And then if they want, they have follow on training with coaches like me. So um, I say all that to say that uh, LA Tri Club gave me the opportunity and actually uh, sponsored me to get my um, coaching cert. So, you know, it was a, it was a way that uh, something was sewn into me um, because for those that don't know, um, the, the licensing or, the, the you know, the coaching cert is not cheap, um, but it does pay off when you pay back into it. Um, and so for me, it's been a really great opportunity and journey, being able to be a coach, being able to, you know, go to seminars or just even get the the monthly letters um, and just have that access. Because the more that I have, the more I'm able to give knowledge into. And that becomes a big thing is, you know, we both can't just be out here like, well, oh, no. You know, so if you have a question, now it's my job or my want to go find these answers for you. So we're not just sitting here. You know, both shrugging at each other.
0: Love that. And shout out to Katie and Paul with the LA Tri Club. They were on the podcast episode 90. So, episode 90, uh, built on passion and performance. They were here. I actually became a member of LA Tri Club. I'm like an extended arm out here on the East Coast. And uh, hey. they were like, hey, they're honorary for real thank you they was like because I'm so cool or whatever (laughs) okay anyway but no but (laughs) but no it was really cool I love what they're doing and I love how they engage with uh their team so shout out to LA Tri Club uh Paul Hikimian and uh Katie Godek who uh Katie is is one of the first triathlon influencers and you know Paul who started LA Tri Club almost 20 years ago. So they've been around for a long time. And the both of them, as she says, the um, I don't know that she calls them old or not, but she's the millennial. And so the two of them working together are definitely breaking down like barriers to entry for both youth and um, older. So I love the mixture of what they're doing in order to engage folks out there in L.A. So shout out to them. So you can check that out. Episode 90. Jordan, final thoughts, your USAT level T, USAT coach, shout out to LA Tri Club for making that happen. I think in order to get more people in the sport, organizations like LA Tri Club, it's a beautiful way to get folks in and sowing that seed back so they continue to sow back into others. Um. What's next for you? And any final
1: thoughts? Ooh, uh, I would say what's next and then I'll finish with the final thoughts. Um, What's next is just another year as we are in quarter one of 2024. Um, You know, I think that it's just about pacing myself more this year. I did all the races that I wanted to do in California, Southern California now. Um, So I have the experience so I can, again, not be like, somebody asked me, how's Malibu Triathlon? I'm like, I don't know. I've never done it. Um, so now I've done all of the South Cal- uh, South California. Now um, there's a couple expansions that I'm going to do. I'm, I'm traveling up to uh, Northern California this year to do a race by the name of Escape from Alcatraz. So I'm super excited for that. Nice. Um, yeah, I was, <laughs> I said, oh, yeah, I know I'm nervous, but I'm ready. I'm excited. I'm super excited. Um what's next? Uh just another like I said, just another year of new newcomers in the water. Um I'm just praying and being in faith and being thankful for more success stories. Um I'm excited for returning swimmers. Um I'm excited for expansion of opportunities. Um, as you know, again, I I just want people to be safe around water. So even if it's uh teaching parents CPR, um, one of the things I do with like the younger kids, um, is I always give their parents like, like, a I can't certify you, but here's a lessons on how to hold your infant, how to hold your baby. You know, what's the last time you've ever practiced, you know, on a moving child before. Um, so, you know, sometimes not like really putting it in there, but still letting them feel comfortable and acclimated. Um, because, you know, again, if you're in that situation, sometimes it can get a little, a little nervous. Um, so that's, that's the pieces that's next for me is just maintaining this year's pace. Um, and just not burning out, um, because burnout's a thing. And I would say final thoughts, uh, again, thank you for having me. Uh, but most importantly, thank you for, for being consistent in this, you know, this is, this is endure podcasting is an endurance of its own. It is a, it is a, a, a flower, a tree, whatever you want to call it. It has roots, it has extensions, and it is extended out to the West coast. Um, and you know, I just pray for, 100 more episodes. I pray for the the partnerships that you need. I pray for you to pull up, you know what I'm saying, to to California, come come get a couple swims in out here in this cold Pacific Ocean that we have. Um, you know, but I just want to say thank you again um for just choosing to share your platform with me. Um this is a very very I don't want to say niche market, but there's not many black swim instructors in the world, in, in the United States. Um, We are sprinkled throughout and our network is very strong. Um, And just because there's a few of us doesn't mean that we're anything less than strong. Um, Mm. So I think that anytime we get the opportunity, I'm always going to shout out as many as I can um, because the goal isn't for everyone to swim with me. The goal is for you to learn how to swim. So if you reach out to me and I can't get to you, please believe I have a directory of people near you, speak a different language, or can help you out with what is going to be um, accessible for you. So I just right. say thank you for sharing your source of the network and also, you know, just this hour of love.
0: Come on, hour of love. I'm here for it. So I wasn't expecting all that, but I do appreciate you for, you know, giving me some, you know, of your blessedness. I do appreciate that. But we got one more part. It's called Rapid Fire. So before yes. you get off this podcast, we got some Rapid Fire questions for you. Okay. <clears throat> <laughs> um yeah so let's just get started rapid fire first question wetsuit or no wetsuit wetsuit what
1: thermal wetsuit
0: <laughs> a swim instructor who teaches everybody how to swim Says
1: wetsuit give me that wetsuit give me a thermal wetsuit throw me in any 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 temperature or water you want i'll be there i'm a wetsuit warrior you're around
0: clearly i was not expecting i was like he's gonna be like no wetsuit i guess i was wrong um morning workouts or evening workouts morning run with music or without music no music swim bike run rank them in order of preference swim run bike yeah
1: you're knocking it out favorite post-workout food uh oh yeah uh, got him, got chicken, him. Parmesan, chicken parmesan pasta uh, with uh side of breadsticks and a electrolyte. All right. Who are you outside of
0: triathlon? Uh, man of God. That's good. What do you do outside of triathlon and outside
1: of teaching people how to swim? I am a SAG actor and entertainer and also, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> talking here and there, <laughs> doing a couple things here and there. <laughs>
0: He didn't just say actor, but he was like, Let me let you know I'm sad, Okay.
1: <laughs> Listen, I hey you, I no, I was on the picket line. I okay. was on that picket line. Yep.
0: Come on. Come on. Cause that is a oh, you gotta work a little bit to get that sag. Um favorite, what's your favorite or best
1: sign you've seen on the course? Uh smile if you peed a little bit. that one's always funny to me smile if you peed a bit and it just it just makes me laugh every time (laughs) well let's find out if you
0: have peed a little bit
1: (laughs) that one gets me every time i've seen it two two, three times two times one was smile if you peed a little bit and the other one is go ahead and laugh i know you peed in your wetsuit so have you peed in your wetsuit all the time and have you peed on the bike no With that, whenever you try
0: beginner's luck, you truly always win. We want to thank you for listening to Jordan's story and just encourage you, continue to keep listening. Thank you for listening. You can view this on YouTube, which I think you should because Jordan is very animated and you need to be able to see this SAG actor in his full glory and expressions. A truth espian. A truth espian. But also (laughs) like Subscribe, leave us good comments only, good comments only, and five-star ratings. Yes, let's keep these ratings going. So your favorite, fo- your favorite podcast platform, we are thankful. And also, we do have a new element that's only on YouTube, and that's Ask a Coach. Yes, but what we're doing now is if you have beginner questions and you don't necessarily have a coach or can't afford a coach or can't afford a coach, we're making this accessible to you. So go to YouTube because we already have an episode out and we want you to be able to view it. So ask a coach on YouTube only. Be sure to subscribe so you don't forget to miss an episode. And we out. I'm Ashonda Shines and we are out. Peace. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode. We need your help so we can continue to try at TBL. So for more information on where you can find and subscribe to this podcast, visit www.trybeginnersluck.com. And don't forget, whenever you try Beginner's Luck, you always win.